0: Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life remaining him. If someone has worldly means, sees a brother in need, and refuses him compassion, how can the love of God remain in him? And this is how we shall know that we belong to the truth and reassure our hearts before him and whatever our hearts condemn him. Let us love not in word or speech, but in deed and truth. And today's saint, St. John Neumann, uh, truly lived out these words of St. Paul from our first reading, in that he lived out his life for others, completely giving of himself. He grew up in Bohemia, but he is the first male saint of America, first citizen of American uh, that was canonized. And he grew up a brilliant child, excelling in his education, devouring books. One time his sister told him, you know, stop playing around and, you know, just flipping the pages. And he said, you know, I'm reading the whole thing. I understand it all Uh, because he was just, you know, I read quickly, but I, I take it all in. And he was thinking about the priesthood, but he didn't feel like he would be accepted into seminary, so he was thinking about applying to medical school, but his mother encouraged him to at least give it a try, and to his surprise, he was accepted to seminary. And he excelled in seminary, but then his plans What he thought would take place did not happen. The bishop in uh, what's now the Czech Republic uh, said he had too many priests. The priests from last year that were ordained still had no assignments to go to. Uh, Can you imagine that kind of problem in the church where so many vocations, the bishop had more priests than what he knew to do with them? Well, St. John Neumann actually had plans to go to America, because he heard of the great missionary call needed over there. But despite this plan to go to America, the bishop still didn't ordain him. And so, to his sadness, he didn't have a first mass or the traditional first uh, blessing for his parents. But he still told his parents when he got back from seminary that he was going to America. And uh, his family was... You know, very saddened by this. He, you know, they, his mother and his sister started crying that basically he would leave forever, and yet he still felt like it was the will of God. And you know, it was said that he still always had very great love for his family, so it pained him a lot, but that sacrifice was something he knew would help in his work in the vineyard of the Lord. He made it to uh, uh, New York, arriving at uh, Staten Island, and was ordained, even though he had no uh, letter, even from his bishop recommending him, he was ordained just a couple months later. Uh, subdeacon, deacon, and priest, all within one week in June. And the, priest, uh, the bishop there was eager to put him to work in the New York Diocese, which stretched, you know, very far. And he had a lot of grounds to cover, all by walking, miles and miles every day, trying to go to each mission outpost. And he would, for years, travel on foot over the swampy ground, uh, from house to house, station to station, in the biting cold of the winter, in the heat of summer, Visiting the sick, hating the dying, baptizing the newborn, and instilling faith and in zeal back into the sli- backsliders. And his workload was so heavy that uh, the people started becoming, becoming concerned about him, so they saved up and, and bought him a horse. And yet he was only five foot two, and so his feet couldn't reach the stirrups. Uh, And so sometimes other people in the town, as they uh, would see him, uh, would mock him and and laugh, you know, because he he just rode a horse very awkwardly. And yet, he always just still showed love for everybody, whether they were Catholic or not. And he uh, eventually joined the Redemptors. After he worked himself to uh, exhaustion, he worked himself so much that he collapsed and was bedridden for three months and there felt the call to join the Redemptorists, to have a community to to support him and to help him kind of hold him accountable to, you know, also still have great zeal and work in the the vineyard of the Lord, but also doing it prudently. And as a Redemptorist, he uh, also helped start new churches uh, he seems to have been in a lot of places uh, up north in America. If you just travel around, you probably will run into at least one church that uh, he had been at, even for the Marians in Steubenville. Uh, the St. Peter's Catholic Church in Steubenville uh, has a mural in their parking lot of St. John Neumann because he lived there for a year. Uh, he was in Pittsburgh, uh, ran into a church where he was there. Uh, St. Alphonsus in Baltimore, uh, when I was a novice, I went there, and that's actually where we have, in the foyer of that church, a picture of Blessed George, a renovator, because he did confirmations there when he visited America, but St. John Neumann was the pastor there, uh, and uh, I remember stopping by a church, on a, traveling from Steubenville to D.C. in uh, Cumberland, Maryland, and sure enough, he was the one who founded that church, and uh, I can name a couple others where Uh, St. John Neumann has a plaque or a picture there because he either lived there or helped found the church. So he was instrumental in building up this uh, uh, American churches in the mid-1800s. And eventually he got the call to be a bishop. He walked into his room, and on his desk was the Episcopal cross and the ring. And he was horrified. You know, he thought this was a mistake. And he got four cardinals to... You know, tell the Pope, uh, advise them, not to make him a bishop, but eventually, uh, he was ordered, under his uh, superior by obedience, to accept the position, and so he became Bishop of Philadelphia, and uh, while there, he founded the first parochial school in America, and so. He always had great love for children. Even at his first mass, he had uh, first communicants uh, receive their first communion. Then he loved preparing children for their first communion. Uh, And it was said that the children often always loved his stories. Even as adults, they said they would remember the stories he taught them in their catechism classes. And that he always seemed to have an inexhaustible supply of candy to reward them for... Uh, their good work. And he had to deal with a lot of uh, persecution from uh, the anti-Catholic parties of the time, uh, especially one group called the Know-Nothings. And they would vandalize the churches, sometimes burn down the churches, burn down convent, and so this was something as Bishop of Philadelphia, he had to deal with, he had a lot of ground to cover. He had a lot of work to do. And even though he was made bishop at the age of 41, just one day while uh, walking uh, in Philadelphia, he collapsed just from sheer exhaustion from his, uh, his work, and he died at the age of 48. And it was always just remembered, though, how much love he had for others. He did not just practice love in word or speech, but in deed and truth. And he poured out his entire being. Uh, maybe he could have taken, taken uh, you know, better care of himself so that he could have lived longer doing the work of God. But At the same time, the church does not hold it against him that he completely gave of himself. And that is the kind of zeal that uh, we pray that our priests and bishops continue to have, that they pour out themselves uh, for their church, for their flock. You know, he was always there with the people, especially the poor Catholic immigrants that uh, were, you know, disliked by the Americans at that time, and some of the, uh, the Irish immigrants at that time, they uh, had very poor accommodations, you know, no windows, uh, no chairs or beds, and when someone was dying, he would get right there down on the dirty floor and lie where they were on their, you know, uh, mattress of straw and be with them as they were dying. And so that's why he was so loved by his people. Uh, he knew eight languages, and despite all the different immigrants in America, he always uh, was able to show his love for them by taking care of them, even speaking their own language. And one Irish lady said, uh, isn't it nice that we have an Irish bishop here in Philadelphia? Uh, even though he was bohemian. and He is someone then uh, that the American clergy can look to as a great example, and he is someone that uh, the American church especially can continue asking for intercession for in all the different places he was in America, he continues to intercede and watch out for the American church. St. John Neumann, pray for us.